Please turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 2. We're bringing this series to a conclusion. I don't know if I'm going to finish it today or next week. But we're close to the end. Hallelujah. Um, I'm going to begin reading in verse 15. I'm actually going to only read verses 15 and 16. Because um, we're focusing on verse 16. And uh, going to be looking at it today as a whole. So beginning in verse 15, it, uh, the Apostle John says here, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Now, one of the things that we realize is, or we must come to realize, is that in order to walk in God's power and provision, we need to separate ourselves from the world. And in separating yourself from the world, then you are positioning yourself to receive from God. Amen? Now Jesus, as God manifested in the flesh, was well aware of this and fought probably one of the greatest battles in all of recorded history against each of these temptations. In his encounter with the devil in the wilderness, as you remember, it's recorded in Luke chapter 4. We're going to look at that today. I'm taking Luke's account because he actually follows this order. Luke chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now, notice the first thing was that he was what? Filled with the Spirit. Don't ever go into a battle without being filled with the Spirit first. So notice again, he says, it says here, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Verse 2, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. Now notice, it didn't say being filled with the Holy Spirit. He was then tempted by the Spirit. Did you notice that those words aren't there? So we need to understand where temptation comes, off, comes from and where power comes from. Power comes from God. Temptation comes from the devil. Don't mix them up. Don't mix them up. You know, some people think that the devil has power. And they go make all sorts of covenants. And I know people that are, you know, uh, in all kinds of trouble and, and have all kinds of problems in their life because of that. Because, you know, the devil promised them power. And they thought that God was always leading, you know, them into... Because people preach that stuff. That God tests you and try you and the devil gives you power. So which one would you choose? <laughs> you know, seriously, you know what I'm trying to say? You know, but notice here, it tells us the exact opposite. It tells us that Jesus was filled with the Spirit. And remember Jesus said, don't go do anything until you are endowed with power from on high. He said, until the Spirit comes on you and gives you power, don't step out of the house. <laughs> Amen. Or the upper room in that case. <laughs> so I want you to notice here, first thing, he is filled with the Holy Spirit and with power. He's led by the Spirit and then being tempted for 40 days by the devil. It says, and in those days, he, was, uh, he ate nothing. And afterward, when they had ended, excuse me, he was hungry. One of the things I want you to notice here is that notice that he's not being tempted by some imaginary devil. So many people don't, you know, don't acknowledge the existence of a devil. Everything is God. Good things are God, bad things are God. Have you noticed they never, they, they never really uh, uh, identify the devil? Never blame him for anything? You know, even when you go through something, they say, well, if, you know, if God's so good, how come he let that happen to you? 
I like what uh, Andrew said to one of those comments. He goes, no, that was the other guy. <laughs> but that's the whole thing. A lot of people don't realize there is God. And if, if you are going to accept God, then you need to accept the other side. You can't just accept God and not there is a devil. Because then everything is God. And then that's wrong. Amen? Okay. Uh, that wasn't a part of today. But anyway. It's, well, actually it is. It needs to, we need to understand that we are fighting something. That we are fighting a being. We're not just fighting. See, that's the other thing people say. You know, when we're fighting our lust and everything, that's just us. And, and so, you know, we sort of, again, get to the place where we're not acknowledging a devil. We're not acknowledging that something is out there plotting and planning. Remember the wiles of the devil? Okay? And doing things to lead you astray. In, in other words... If you realize that that's what's going on, then you, you'll be quick to give your life to God. Because you think, wow, I need, you know, I need insurance. <laughs> you know? Amen. And I, I need somebody to help me out of all of this mess. But if you never acknowledge that there is that thing out there, out to tempt you and out to you know, bring, bring about your demise, then you are never going to reach out to God and ask Him to help. Amen. So that's the reason why I said again, we need to acknowledge that there's a devil here. Okay. Moving on. And it says, and the devil said to him. Notice he's talking. All right, it's not some little floating ghost somewhere. Okay, it says, and the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, what, what was the first thing? The lust of the flesh. Okay, if you are the son of God, remember he has now been fasting for 40 days. All right, you know, that's, you're very hungry by then. Notice he's in the wilderness. There's no rivers there. Are you all with me? I mean, he was out there. He was fasting, nothing to eat, nothing to drink. For 40 days. Dear God, we try to fast for two meals and we just go by the wayside. We're just eating everything inside after. <laughs> you know, hello. All right. This is 40 days. Okay. So notice what the devil does now. He says, the devil says to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. What is that? The lust of the flesh. Now, can I just say this? This goes far beyond just lust of the flesh. This is eating to survive now. After a certain point in time, your body starts to feed on itself. Are you all here? Okay. That's when you are really hungry. Okay. That's a hunger that I almost think nobody in this room knows what that hunger is like. Okay. And notice what the devil does. Now, remember that his counterpart, Jesus is, remember Jesus was called the second Adam. Remember when Adam was tempted, God said you can eat of every tree in the garden except one. So what does he do? Go, okay. Isn't that just, you know, it's just like somebody says, you can do anything but don't look in that box. What do you want to do? Go look in the box. You know, it's just... just I want you to notice the difference now, because Jesus is called the second Adam. The first Adam had every tree in the garden to eat of. The second Adam had nothing to eat. They were both tempted with the same temptation, but under totally different circumstances. Amen? And notice that Jesus, he's hungry. There's no place to eat. 
And he is very capable of doing this. How do we know? Because later on, he's going to multiply uh, bread. He's also going to turn water into wine, which means he can take something and change its molecular structure. If you can turn water into wine, you can turn stones into bread. Do you get that? Okay, so we know he can do this. But what does he say? But Jesus answering, answered him saying, It is written... Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. He just turned it around. Now, I want you to know this. The very thing that he says that man lives by is the very thing that he uses to fight the devil with. Do you see that? Amen? So, you know, because if we didn't have the word of God, if, if Jesus had some incredible power and, you know, he suddenly became this superhero, I can't mention any names because everything's got trademarks on it. So, okay, some superhero, okay, and he did something. You know, that we'd be like, yeah, right, that was Jesus. This is us. Forget about it, <laughs> okay? But he didn't. He used the thing that we all have access to. The thing that God always says, go to the Word. If you have any problems, go to the Word. Amen? It is your everything. If you need clothing, it will bring clothing. If you need food, it will bring that food to you. If you need healing, it will bring healing to you. It will bring finances, anything that you have need of. Amen. It's, it's, it's that universal currency, so to speak. And faith, okay, in the word, obviously. And so, it, notice he says here, Jesus, what does he do with that first temptation? He says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. He says, I know where my sustenance comes from. It's not from food. It comes from God and His Word. Amen? Alright. So again, by saying this, Jesus lets us know that there is a supernatural sustaining power in God's Word. And it also explains how Moses could go without food or water for 40 days when he was receiving God's Word in the form of the Ten Commandments. Let's continue on. Verse 5. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain... Showed him all, notice, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil, verse 6, and the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered unto me. When was it delivered unto him? When Adam sinned. So it was delivered unto him, not by God, but by the God of this world. See, we've never really understood that and received that. When God made man, he said, let them have dominion and made him, made them, let them have dominion, okay? Made them God over this earth. Do you understand? That's what having dominion is. Okay? A little G, by the way, not capital G, obviously, okay? And because they had it, they could give it. So that's why the devil says, and he truthfully says, see, if this wasn't the truth, it wouldn't be a temptation. Can I get a man on that? Okay, all right. So this was a truth. That's why it was a temptation. And it says here, And the devil said, All this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. Now, in one of the other Gospels, it says, If you fall down and worship before me. He was asking for the whole nine yards. Now, you know what's incredible? This is the Creator. Remember Colossians? All things were created by Him and for Him. 
And so we have a creation asking the creator to bow down. Are you kidding? <laughs> okay. I also want you to notice something else. Notice that it says in verse 5, he showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment. He didn't say he showed him all the world. Did you get the, the distinction there? He said he showed him all the kingdoms, which means he showed him all the places of power. He said, these are the places of power that you need to control this planet. Are you all here? Amen. Okay. What did Jesus come to do, by the way? He came to redeem all of mankind. We need to be careful that we don't have this saying, you know, the end justifies the means. Jesus could have said, well, if I gain all this power, then I can rule it in a righteous and just way without having to go to the cross. This is what was happening now. Remember that? Remember that Jesus doesn't have one follower right now? Jesus had, this, is, this is right after he gets baptized by John. So this is the very beginning. I want you to notice what the, the devil is doing. Right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he's trying to derail him. Can I say this? Every time you begin something for God, watch out. The devil will do everything he can to derail you. He will offer all sorts of alternatives. You know, that's the hard way. Let me show you the easy way. So what has happened now is the devil has gone from getting Jesus to perform a supernatural act because he just said no. Okay? Now the devil is using his supernatural ability to try and bring Jesus down. Alright, so this is a supernatural thing that is taking place, being able to see all the kingdoms. Are you all with me? Amen? So, when, even when the, now, so what do you do when the devil attacks you supernaturally? Jesus is going to use the same thing, whatever attack that comes you know, against him, it's the same thing over and over again. And we're going to see this once again. It says that, uh, and the devil said to him, he says, and I'm in Luke chapter 4, verse 6. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Now notice in verse 5, it says he showed him all the kingdoms. What does show imply? Visuals. Okay? What is this? The lust of the eyes. Remember again, I said lust doesn't have to be a bad thing. You can lust after good things or bad things. So, but, but it's a strong desire. Can I say that? And why is he doing this? What is the thing that Jesus came to do? He came to save us all. He came to rescue the whole world. Be careful. The end doesn't justify the means. You need to understand that if you start compromising to get there, by the time you get there, you won't be the same person. And in fact, by the time you get there, all the, all the changes that you wanted to make, the, that thing would have changed you, not you changed it. Are you all here? And so you always need to guard against things like that. You always say, no, you know, always choose to take the high road. Always choose to say, God, if, you know, understand that God is a God of miracles and the God of the supernatural. And if in the natural people are saying, well, you can't do it except this way, pray and say, God, show me another way. And I will guarantee you, he'll show you another way. Are you all here? Amen. Okay. That was just it for free. That's extra. Okay. <laughs> Coming back to this. So here's the devil tempting him through the lust of the eyes and says, All this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me. When was it delivered to him? When Adam fell. Remember that God made man in his image after his likeness, and he said to them, Have dominion. 
So they became the gods of this world, little g. Okay? Do you understand? All right? And people preach against that. I don't know why, because that's what it is. Read Genesis. That's all it is. Okay? But, but notice that when he bowed his knee, he gave it. So when the devil is saying that this was delivered to him, he actually, this is a truth. Otherwise, this wouldn't be a temptation. It can't be a temptation if it's not true. Can I get an amen on that one? Okay. We know God didn't give this to him. We know that. We only know one thing in Genesis. God gave man dominion. And then man bowed his knee to the devil. So we can see how that thing got passed on. And notice he says, this has been delivered to me and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, verse 7, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. Notice he didn't say 50-50. He said all will be yours. You know, it could have very easily just lasted after it and thought, oh, this, oh, yeah, let's do that. Because remember Garden of Gethsemane. If there's any other way. But he said, not the devil's way, any other God way. Amen? Because otherwise he would have just said yes to this. That would have been the end of all of us. Hello. You know what the problem was? It wasn't that he just needed all the, the kingdoms of the world. We needed to get reborn. We were all headed for hell because of our spirit. Amen? That's the reason why Jesus said to Peter, he said, I have got to go. Peter said, no, don't. You know, that's the whole incident with get thee behind me, Satan, all that stuff. That was the reason why. You know, when the external attacks don't work, the devil goes and uses people within your circle. Internal attacks, I call them. <laughs> okay? All right, moving on. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. I love that. I, I think there's a double meaning there. Okay. So this shows us how important it is for us to never be drawn away or lose focus on what's really important. And that is serving God, which will be rewarded throughout all eternity. As opposed to serving the devil and this world system that is even now, according to the Apostle John, what? Passing away. Remember that? Amen? Finally, we come to the last temptation, and that is the pride of life. Where the devil tries to make Jesus defy God and force his hand. Now remember, he's gone past the lust of the flesh, turn the okay, stone into bread. He's gone past the lust of the eyes. He showed him everything and said, it could be all yours. Just worship me. Didn't work. Now he goes to the last thing, the pride of life. All right. And so he says here in verse 9, Then he, that's the devil, brought him, that's Jesus, to Jerusalem. To where? Jerusalem, the hub of religion. Okay, this is, this is where all the, 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 the biggest muckety-mucks turn up, you know. I mean, you, you preach in the Jerusalem hall and you got it made, man. Are you all with me? Because remember the whole argument, remember Jesus with the woman at the well? And she asked the question, where do we worship? Which is right? Because he says, you Jews say it's Jerusalem, you know, and we say it's somewhere else. And she said, which one's right? And what did, God, uh, what did Jesus say? Neither. <laughs> Amen. She says, God is spirit. You, and those who worship it will worship him in spirit and in truth, not in some temple. That's the reason why as they were walking out, remember how it says the disciples looked and they were marveling at the temple? Okay. Because that was a big thing. And what did Jesus say? Not one stone will be left upon another. He goes, take it in boys, because you won't see this for very long. 
And you all know the history. It was about 70 years later. Jesus came to take out all the division that was between the Jews. Because they rejected him, they continued on. They became a problem to Rome. This is a very short version, okay? And Rome just got mad and said, you know what? We've had enough of them. Sends the Roman general Titus and comes in. And he just, in, in one day, he kills off a million Jews. He destroys the temple. Some, you know, some guy sets it on fire. He was getting a bit too enthusiastic. And they noticed that all this gold started uh, melting. And because of that, because they didn't want to leave any gold or any valuable thing that the Jews could use to get themselves back on their feet, they literally pulled the temple apart brick by brick to get all of the gold and take it back to Rome. And exactly what Jesus said happened. Not one brick was left upon another. The whole temple was dismantled. Isn't that interesting? What they thought was forever, what they thought was amazing, was gone. So now that, so, you know, let's get back to this. So the, the devil, it takes Jesus to Jerusalem, all right? Okay? And set him on the pinnacle of the temple. So this is the temple, all right? And said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands, verse 11, they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Sorry, I didn't give you all the verses. So I'm in Luke chapter 4, and I've been reading from verses 9 through 11. Alright? So, notice again here, that this is the pinnacle of a very prominent, you know, the temple of Jerusalem, a very prominent location. What do you think would happen? He throws himself off that pinnacle... You know God is not going to let him die. You know that, right? You know that the angels will bear him up. You know that he's going to make a grand entrance. Everybody will look up the temple at Jerusalem and find Jesus floating down. What pride. Look at me, boys. I am the Messiah. Hello, okay. I mean, that's how it would have been. And you know what? Everybody would have worshipped him because that's how they were. They're always looking for a sign. Remember Jesus? He, he was, they were sort of saying, oh, show us a sign. He said, you, you evil generation, always looking for a sign. There was always this thing. You know what that is? Pride. This was the pride of life, man. I mean, this would have set him up for a ministry. Forget those 12 guys, you know, that he had to go pick that were just all the time all over the place. He would have had some amazing disciples. If he come floated down, he would have started his ministry. Remember, he hasn't started his ministry yet. He would have begun his ministry with a bang. Can we say that? Okay. I mean, they would all come and say, oh, great master. We know you are the Messiah. They would have accepted him straight away. You know, you can't get past this one. This is pretty huge. And he would have said, yes, boys, I'm God. And that would be the end of it. But guess what? Then everybody else that started ministry will go, Well, why can't I'm not going to throw myself off a building and watch me float down? What if I don't? I'll go splat. Bad start to the ministry. (laughs) Okay? So, So Jesus shows us that's not the way to begin. Everything that man would have failed on, Jesus passed the test. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. He didn't let any of them touch him. Do you know why? Because if he had compromised even a little bit, the whole of his ministry would have been marked with compromise. Did you get that? And we need to understand 
that what Jesus did. That's the reason why, you know, when we look at this, we think, well, that was Jesus. No, he did all of this only after he was filled with the Spirit. He didn't do this in the 30 years prior. He did this right after he was filled with the Spirit. And he had the power of God. And he, everything that he did was everything that he said we could do. Amen. And he tells us, you want to do what I did? Then this is how you begin. Do you get it now? That's the reason why we're spending so much time with this. Because if we don't get this revelation, and today's the last time I'm spending on these verses, so you guys need to get it, okay? If we don't separate ourselves from this, then we won't have the ministry that Jesus had. We won't have the power that he had. We won't have the anointing that he had. We won't have the results that he had. Amen? And can I just say this? I love that this epistle right at the beginning says, if ever you mess up, if you acknowledge or you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness and put us back in a place of power and authority. Amen? All right. And so Jesus answered, notice everything he does. There was no power shooting out of his hands and the devil falls over. And okay. <laughs> I'd love to have seen something. But that wasn't happening. What did he do? And Jesus answered. He spoke again and said to him, it has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And it was over. Amen. So every time the devil was using supernatural things, trying to extract a supernatural power from him to change the bread, uh, excuse me, the stone to bread. Then he used supernatural power to transport him to a place where he could see all of the kingdoms of the world. So the devil is using all kinds of supernatural means. Then he supernaturally takes him up to the top of the temple. These are all supernatural things. You know, I saw this movie once. It was so ridiculous. Show Jesus crawling up to the top of the temple just to be tempted. I mean, how dumb is that? You know, some of those movies, man, you know, oh, wow. They missed the whole point of it. You need to understand that every supernatural thing that the devil tries to use against you, one thing can combat all of it, the word. Among other things, what this tells us is that everything that we want God to do for us, just so we can boast about it to others, is classified as tempting God. Be careful. Which is a serious offense. And why the pride of life is such a dangerous thing. With Proverbs 16 and verse 18 saying, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Do you see that? Amen. Notice also the only weapon I've said here that Jesus used against all these temptations was the Word of God. And it tells us that it is the Word in us that causes us to triumph over the darkness around us. Did you get that? The Word in us. If you don't have the Word of God in you, then you are not going to make it. I'm just letting you know. You need that Word in you. You just can't be a hearer, a forgetful hearer, James calls him. You have to be a doer. Because when you do, you know, even in workplaces, they say, you know, if, if you just tell somebody what to do, they'll forget it. If you show them what to do and they do it, they'll never forget it. Because they've done it. It is the same thing with the Word of God. 
If you're just hearing it and not putting it into practice, it won't work for you. You need to hear it and then put it to practice because then you will remember it is a part of you now, not just something you've heard, but something you have done. Amen? Amen. So, returning to 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, we'll conclude here. We can understand why the Apostle John says again that cravings, lust, and boasting do not originate in the Father and are not of the Father, but are of the world, and more accurately, the fallen world, which we now know is under the power and influence of the devil and all of his demons. Amen? And that's the reason why he goes on to say, and the world is passing away. All of that will be gone one day. And what did he say at the end? And the last of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. So we want to get to that place where we are doing God's will so that we can abide forever. And notice also that to, can I draw this line again? To do God's will, you need to be separate from all of the rest. You can't be attached to all of that stuff and think you're still doing God's will. Because something has gone off the rail somewhere and you have missed it. There is no compromise in this life. Now, that doesn't mean, you, you, you know, I don't want you to go away thinking, oh my God, does that mean I have to live a perfect life? No. <laughs> okay. Just acknowledge that whatever, when you mess up, that you messed up. Don't say, well, that's just me. Do you hear me? Okay. I was born that way. Don't go there. You were reborn a different way. And that's, that's, you know, can I just say this? For people that use that argument in certain areas, okay, of life and society and stuff, okay? When they say, yeah, I was just born that way, just say, I thought you were reborn a different way. What happened to the new birth? Amen. See, that's where we always lose our fight. Because we keep forgetting that we were reborn from above. And we now have God's attributes. Yeah, we might have got some bad things from our parents, but we have a new parent now. Amen? Remember when they said, Jesus teach us to pray? What's the first thing he uttered? Our Father. You've changed families. You've changed kingdoms. Whatever blood was running in your veins, now God's blood is running in your veins. Amen? Hallelujah. That's why you are now the temple of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. Let's stop there for today. We will come back next week and finish this off, I promise. Okay. In verse 17, when we look at the world passing away and doing God's will. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we just thank you today for your word and we thank you, Father.